chapter 15. Last Sunday evening I spoke on uh, a tender heart, and I hope that we as God's people desire to maintain and keep a tender heart unto the Lord. I'm going to continue on the thought or idea of the heart of man and deal with a whole other aspect, a different side of it this evening. Uh, Pastor Derek was recently uh, at a meeting where some pastors and youth pastors were, and they were discussing working with young people and, and working you know, in the church and asking questions and making comments, just kind of encouraging one another, helping each other. And uh, the comment or the question was asked by one of the young youth pastors there, I assume. He, he asked the question, he said, how do you get the heart of your teenager? How do you get the heart of your teenager? And I wasn't there, so I'm not sure what was answered with regards to that in, in that pastor's meeting. But uh, tonight I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about winning the heart of uh, anybody, how to win someone's heart. And uh, we want to look at that, and we'll try and, I guess, let me start out by establishing, you understand that biblical principle works regardless of your motives, correct? If, If you, you know, if you use good, sound biblical principles with regards to your finances, and you exercise those principles, you'll be successful in your finances even if your intentions with your money are not good. If you're planning to use the money for bad things. It's still the biblical principles exercised work. Does that make sense? It it does work. So we can still learn. The reason I'm saying that is because tonight we're going to be looking at uh, Absalom. And uh, Absalom had some ill intent. He, he had the wrong heart, the wrong motive for doing what he did. But we can learn from that. What he did still works. It's just our intentions are not bad. The intentions, the reason that we desire to be able to win somebody's heart is not, you know, like him, his motives were incorrect, but hopefully your motives are correct. So let's read this passage of Scripture, and, and then we'll kind of d- dissect it and look at it here in Second Samuel chapter 15, reading in verse number 1 through verse number 6. He said, And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and fifty men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called out to him and said, What city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right. But there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Uh, Absalom said, Moreover, O, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath suit or case might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obscience, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. Notice this last phrase here. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel from King David 
through the steps which he laid out very clearly on purpose in this passage of Scripture. He desired to influence them. As we've said, first of all, we need to acknowledge the fact that we can learn from this even though uh, this was driven by ill motives. We can have the right kind of motives and it can still be successful for us. Also, we need to establish the fact that you and I, we ought to have a heart's desire to influence people for God. As God's children, it should be our goal to influence, to encourage, to challenge, to to motivate, uh, to edify others to love and good works. That should be our goal, our desire. We should have that as a Christian. And, you know, we've all heard that no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. We understand that. So what I'm saying is if we have a desire to influence people for Christ, if that is a motivation of ours, that as it should be, then we realize that first, if we're going to really influence somebody, we've got to be able to win their heart. We've got to have their heart. If we're going to influence them or impact them in any way, we've got to have their heart. You've all have seen the young person who some stranger calls out to and tells them to do something, and the kid looks like, who are you? What? You, know, you can't tell me what to do. I mean, they, they, they're, they're just some stranger, some random person, and there's no connection there. There's no heart and no motivation for that young person to do it. We've got to have the heart if we want to motivate and influence people. It should be our, our desire to point people to Christ to move them in their relationship towards the Lord. And if you want to do this, then you must first win their heart. That is foundational if you want to impact people for Christ. You know, anybody that's a salesman, it's a very basic, fundamental thing. First, you've got to sell them on yourself before you can sell them on your product. You've got, you, you, you meet with them and, and you talk to them and you, through your personality and talking to them and, and whatever common ground you find and your demeanor, you build some type of trust and you build some respect and, and you, you know, just that comes through and ultimately if you can win them to yourself, you probably can win a sale. Well, that's biblical principle. If you want to want to influence somebody for Christ, you have to win their heart. Mom and dad, if you want to impact your children, you've got to have their heart. You've got to have their heart. And you know, when your kids are young, like Titus and Andrew, they, they pretty much do what they're told because if they don't, <laughs> they, you know, they know what's coming. But as they get older... And it happens really fast, just throwing that warning out to you. It happens really fast. They get to the point where they're bigger than you. (laughs) And really, what it boils down to is how much influence do you have? The only hope you have of guiding their life, of directing them in the path that they're going to take, is not because you have a paddle in your room. That doesn't motivate them anymore. 
at some point between the time when they were Titus and Andrew's age and the time that they're Caleb's age and the time that they're Caleb's age and the time that they're Andrew's age, you have to transition in your method of discipline from the rod to correction and you've got to win their heart. You've got to bring them to a place where they don't obey just because they know that they're going to get spanked if they don't. But they obey because they don't want to disappoint mom and dad. Because they want to please mom and dad. They do what they should do because they want to please mom and dad. And there's that, you've got their heart, you've got that desire in them. And as they get older, your, your disciplining days are done. But your influence can last for the rest of their life. If you have their heart. But you've got to get that heart. Any teacher that hopes to impact those kids. If they hope to impact those kids, they've got to have the heart of the child. Oh, the kid might sit there and listen because you're the teacher. And they have to. And they don't have any other choice. But I'm saying if you want to impact them, and all of you here that are adults, you know the teachers that you had growing up that really influenced you. Why? Because they had your heart. You wanted to please that teacher. You wanted to get a good grade in that class because that teacher. That teacher did something. There was some type of a bond there that motivated you to desire to please them. And and you wanted to do good. That's what it takes. Having the heart. And if a pastor desires to impact and influence The membership of a church, he has to have the heart of the members that are there. It's it's necessary. Oh, he can get up and preach and rant and rave and do whatever. But if a pastor doesn't have the heart of the members, it's not going to go very far. It's necessary to have someone's heart. So I want to talk to you tonight about how to get it. How do you win the heart? And I was challenged in studying this again. Going over this text, motivated by the discussion Pastor Derek and I had. I want to show you first of all, in verse number two, I want you to see the first thing you need to do is be friendly. In verse number two, he says, And Absalom rose up early, and he stood beside the way of the gate, And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, okay, they were coming to the king. They're passing by the gate. They're coming through. Absalom was there in in the place, ready to greet them. He says, then Absalom called out to him and said, hey, hey, what city are you from? He's just making conversation. He's just, hey, how are you doing today? Good good to see you. Man, where do, where do you where do you hail from? Where are you, where are you going? Oh, you're going to meet the king? Oh, well, you have a concern? And then he gets into it a little bit more, a little bit further, but he was just being friendly. You need to take some time to be friendly. Friendliness takes communication. You've got to talk. You've got to spend some time with people. You've got to if you want to impact those kids, you've got to spend some time talking to the kids. You've got to listen to them, hear their concerns. Talk to your kids. By the way, kids, you need to talk to the adults. 
All the, all the kids in here, it's rude for a child to walk past adults and not acknowledge them. Parents, you need to teach the kids to acknowledge adults. They're passing an adult, say good morning. Stop, look at them, say good morning, say hello, say something, and, and then you can keep on going. But don't just ignore the adults that are around you. But adults, when a child talks to you, I mean, man, if you stopped and just talked to them for a couple minutes, you could have that kid's heart. And then when they're messing around in the foyer and you're like, hey, hey, they won't look at you like, who are you? They'll look at you and say, oh, I don't want to disappoint him because you have their heart. You need to stop and talk to people. Be friendly. Now, I know that we're all busy. We all have our own lives and we're our own person and, you know, we can do what you want to do. But if you want to influence people, you've got to take time to talk to them. Sometimes they won't respond in kind because they're rude. <laughs> but that's okay. That's, you can't be responsible for their response. But you at least be friendly. You try and be friendly. Now, you know that I don't have a, a dynamic personality. There's nobody coming to Hunt Valley Baptist Church because of the charisma of your pastor. <laughs> you know that. Sadly, but it's true. That's just the way it is. Matter of fact is, is, is I'm most comfortable in the back of the crowd. I would much rather just stand in the corner. I've never been one to, to try and dominate a conversation. I've never been one to try and lead any of that. It probably, it probably comes from being the youngest of uh, three boys, where, you know, as the youngest of three boys, your opinion doesn't count. And so you learn just to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and so, so maybe that's where it comes from. But that's where I'm most comfortable. I have to force myself to come out of my shell to go stand in the foyer and talk to people. You mean, Pastor, you go through the anxiety of what can I say to this person every Sunday? Pastor, you mean you're wondering like how to talk to these people every single service? But I've got to be friendly. I might not have a dynamic personality, but I can at least show that I'm willing to make an effort to stand there and battle in my mind like you battle in your mind. Okay, what can I talk about? Okay, um, <laughs> where's this conversation going to go? Okay, what can, what can we say? Uh, boy, that was stupid. Why did I say that? You know? <laughs> battle in your mind, but try and make an effort. Let them know I care enough to at least try to be there, to talk, to communicate. And I know that we have a friendly church. We do. And I praise God for that. And you guys do phenomenal greeting people, talking to people, making people feel welcome. Just this morning, uh, Suzanne, uh, she told Pastor Derek and I on our way out, you know, I was telling her, if she keeps coming after a little while, she'll feel like this is home. She'll be as comfortable here as she is at home. And she's like, I already feel like this is home. She's like, I, I mean, I'm just so glad that I found this church. And that's because God's people have made her feel welcome. 
And I praise God for that. But I'm talking about not just right here in, in church. I'm talking about being an influence to other people, to people out in the world. What about your banker? What about the guy at the gas station? What about the guy at the business where you have your car worked on or, or whatever? Anybody just talking to people. Just find out, hey, where do you come from? Hey, where do you go? Oh, that, that's neat. Have you worked here a long time? Just communicating with them, just being friendly, just showing some appreciation, some, some type of kindness can go a long ways. The other day, Andrew was in the drive-thru at McDonald's. And, you know, they have the two rows, right? So he stopped and let the car from the other row go in front of him. And uh, that guy paid for Andrew's meal. <laughs> so now every time, Andrew wants to let the guy go in front of him. <laughs> hey, let's let that guy go. It worked once. Let's try it again. No, I, I'm just kidding. He didn't don't know that he said that. But um, I'm just saying a little kindness goes a long ways. And uh, he, you know, just being friendly. We see here in the text here, he rose up early and he took time to be with them. He rose up early and stood beside the way. He, he made a plan. He said, this is what I'm going to do to try and win the hearts of the people. Now, he was trying to steal them from David, but he, he, he made a plan. He said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to strive to do this. It says about David in 1 Samuel, uh, when David first came into the kingdom and, and just after he uh, defeated Goliath, and the people, of course, they were singing his praises, and David, you know, Saul's killed his thousands, and David's his ten thousands, and people just really loved David. They had, David had the heart of the people, um, but it says there that David went in and out among the people. David spent time with the people, and that's what it takes if you want the heart of somebody is to spend time with them. We have to give time to those that we want to influence. Secondly, so be friendly. Secondly, if you want to win somebody's heart, this is somebody you're working with, your own children, people you want to impact, doesn't matter who it is, be friendly. Secondly, be complimentary. We see here in verse number three, he says, And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right. He says, I hear what you're saying, and what you're saying, this is important. This is something worth considering. Praise, friend, goes a long ways. He tried to understand their situation and he praised them. Now, I'm not talking about false flattery. We don't want to just be throwing out a bunch of false flattery and, and, and you know, you're the most awesome guy in the world and, and oh, wow, look at you. Handel's uh, got nothing on your uh, piano playing or, you know, I mean, just... Just false throwing things out and, and people know that it's not real. That's, that's not going to help. You know, um, flattery is, is false compliments. Praise is heartfelt compliments. We don't want false flattery. In Psalms 5, verse number 9, he says, For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very, very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. So we don't want false flattery. You need to be cautious about false flattery. You know, there's been many young ladies' hearts whose heart has been stolen from their father by false flattery. Because there's young men that know what to say. 
There's young men that know how to compliment. There's young men that are extending and giving praise. And what young lady doesn't like that? And they're hearing this, and this guy with his smooth tongue is systematically stealing the heart of this young lady. Ladies, you've got to be careful, cautious about false flattery. Cautious about somebody that just wants to praise you all the time. Hey, you're human. You like it. Kira, wouldn't you like it if some guy was saying, man, you are awesome. <laughs> man. I don't want to embarrass her. <laughs> I was going to go a little further, but I'm not going to go. That would be hard on Akira. But, hey, we're all human. But you've got to be careful. You've got to be cautious because they'll steal your heart. And if somebody's heart can be stolen that way, we could win their heart that way by using some praise. By using some praise. You know, parents, if all that your kids hear is what they do wrong, yeah, and then somewhere else they hear what they're doing right, where's their heart going to go? Even it might be their friends. Their friends oftentimes steal the heart of the kids from their parents because their friends, everything they do is perfect. Everything they do is awesome. They're the greatest thing since peanut butter. But to mom and dad, the child can't do anything right. And we've got to be very careful because it is our job to correct the things that are wrong. We are supposed to discipline and, and direct and, and, and acknowledge these things that are wrong, but at the same time, we've got to look for and seize opportunities to praise those things that are right. Yep. And that takes a little bit of extra work. Oh, the wrong things are glaring. They're hitting you in the face and they irritate you, so you deal with those. <laughs> but the praise, if you want the heart of your child, you've got to spend some time praising them. Your praise will bond your hearts together. And it's the same way with if you're in a teacher and you're in a class and, you know, you're, you're working with a child, praising them, praising how they, you know, go really young, praising how well they write their letters. That'll make them want to write them letters right. Praising how good they've colored inside the lines, praising them. Instead of, you know, look at that, you walked out, you did outside the line, man, you're such a... Praising how they went inside the lines right here will make them see, man, but I went outside. <laughs> they don't want you to see where they messed up because they, they, they like that you praise them for what they did. You know, one time my brother, uh, well, all of us, we were in a Christian school growing up, and we had a teacher in a Christian school that would give us, uh, she took all the students in the school at different ages, and she would give us a very beautifully done calligraphied uh, certificate of a biblical character trait in our life. And Dave, when Dave got his biblical character trait, the character trait that he got was tactful. And he, uh, he went home and said, man, I need to look this up. <laughs> so he had to look it up in a dictionary and find out what tactful was because he wanted to be tactful. Because he, he's like, man, she thinks I'm tactful. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> so he had to go find out what tactful was. And he says, I want to be that person. I want to be a tactful person. 
Now, some years later, I got mine, and mine was observant. She said I was a very observant person. It's funny how many of the kids that she did nail pretty well their, their character traits and, and what they're like. And, uh, you know, that was something that she did, a gift that she had, and she, God just put it on her heart to do that. But that little thing that the students in the school all looked forward to getting to that, when it, when it would finally come for them, she would watch them for a couple years in school and, and see where their strength was. And then at the end of the year, with the, when we gave out awards, she would give that to you. But I remember Dave going on to go look it up to see what it was. And he decided, I want to be tactful because she thinks I am. That praise. The Bible says, as the fining pot for silver and the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise. You want boys that are like silver? You want girls that are like gold? Praise them. Praise them for what they do. Thirdly, you want to be helpful. Be helpful. We see in verse number four that Absalom said, Moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. He says, hey, I would help them with that. If they came to me, I would take the time and just do justice to them. I would take the time and help them however I could. He came to their side in their hour of need. That word, if any man has a suit or a cause, that that word means controversy. If they have any concern or any problem, he said, I want to be a help to them. I want to be a friend to them. You want a friend for life? Help somebody in their hour of need. Not just when it's convenient for you, but when they have a need. And when they have a need, if you're there, the Bible says a friend loveth at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. And if you have the privilege or the opportunity of hearing about or knowing about somebody's need, Listen, you've got a privilege, you've got an opportunity there to help them in their hour of need. One of the privileges of a pastor is that I often know about things that maybe a lot of the church family don't. You don't know about the need. Sometimes it's not till later that you hear about that this, this happened or that happened. And I've got the privilege, and I do count it a privilege, to be able to go and be there with people in their hour of need. If you want to impact people, help them. Help them in their hour of need. You want to have their heart? Show them that you care when they need, when they need you. There's something special that happens when you're there when people are going through their biggest trials. You don't have to know what to say. I'm living proof of that. You just have to be willing to be there. Just be willing to be there. So be helpful. And I'm going to title this, Be Affectionate, in verse number 5. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him absence, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. I want you to understand there's something very strong and powerful in a physical touch. There's something very powerful in the physical touch. Now, obviously, we've had discussions here. You know that I'm not a hugger. And we've talked about being proper with the opposite sex in, in every situation. 
And we, we've discussed that. So you know where I'm coming from here. This is everything about this we want to be done in a proper way. But there is something powerful with touch. God made it that way. It's by God's design. And there, there's, it doesn't have to be sinful unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. So sometimes, especially in the wicked and vile world that we live in, sometimes even the most innocent of things is perceived and taken wrong. And so we've got to today be even extra cautious and extremely careful, especially when we're in any way Approaching the opposite gender. But there's something powerful about touch when you want to win the heart. Putting your arm around somebody. Giving somebody an embrace. Shaking hands with them. Just, you know, when I went down there to be with Brother Sharp at the funeral, of course, I traveled all day. I arrived like 9 o'clock at night. I was picked up at the airport. We drove an hour to get to his house. We pulled up at this house out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, he walked out of the house, and I got out of the car and walked up and just hugged him. And we didn't say anything. We just stood there. That's probably the only time in my life I've ever hugged him. But I didn't know what else to do, and that's what he needed. And we just stood there. There's something about the power of touch, about being affectionate, even just shaking hands, even just having some type of physical contact. And again, it needs to be appropriate. But young people, let me tell you this. This is why your mom and dad and the church say, don't touch. Because there is something powerful about touching. And what will happen is some boy will touch you, girls. Some girl will let you touch them, boys. And the power of that will take your heart from all the authority that's in your life, from your mom and dad who have loved you and raised you and trained you and invested in you and provided for you for all of your life. And your heart will be taken from them and given to this person. Touch is a powerful thing. It's supposed to happen inside the bounds of marriage. But when you do it outside the bounds of marriage, it causes you to give your heart to the wrong person. But touch can be used to win the heart of somebody, even in a clean and nice way. You, you got, uh, uh, you're teaching a boy's Sunday school class, and you, you, you rub them on the head, and you shake their hand, and, and uh, you, just, you just touch them. Just 
shake their shoulder and give them a hug, say, good to see you this morning, glad you're in class. You know I'm not real affectionate, and apparently my son Caleb has taken after me a little bit. Uh, because one day, this is many years ago now, and he probably won't remember this, one day Mary was kissing Caleb on the cheek. He, she was saying, oh, Caleb, boy, I just love to kiss you. And, and he, she would kiss him on the cheek. And Caleb goes, I just love wiping him off. <laughs> and she said, you know, of course, you better not. And she would kiss him again, and he would wipe it off, you know. I just love wiping them off. You know, uh, when I was down there with uh, Brother Sharp, uh, his, his kids, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old teenagers, his boys would come down and just sit right next to him, just put their arm around their dad. His daughters would come and Hang, hang around his neck while he's sitting in a chair. And that's not just from this week, not just because they had just lost their mom. They've always been that way. And I asked, I asked Gene about it. I said, hey, how do you get your kids to be affectionate like that? How do you get your kids to... He says, Caleb, I just tell them, I don't care if you're 17, get ready, I'm coming in. <laughs> I just tell him, I'm, I'm, I'm coming in. We're going to hug, buddy. You might not like it, but here I am. He says, you just got to do it. You just got to do it. You just got to hug them. You just got to love on them. And especially in the home with your own children, showing that affection will help keep their heart. But it can be used to win the heart of others as well. Obviously, always keeping it proper and clean, but God designed that to be a tool that could be used. So how do, you, how do you win the heart of somebody? Absalom stole the hearts of the people from David. But here's some things, some principles that we can use to win the hearts of people that we want to influence. Whether that's somebody we want to encourage to, to get to church, to, be in, to, to come to Sunday night, to, to be a part of what God's doing here, or have an opportunity to witness to somebody. You know, Brother Taylor and I were talking recently, it's... It's just about past the day where you can just knock on somebody's door and lead them to Christ. Because people today don't have a knowledge of God anymore. It really takes a relationship. It takes some time where you can witness to somebody and talk to them and build that friendship and take a little time and witness over, over a period of time. But they're not going to listen to your witness unless you have their heart. And so we got to take the time to get that heart. So I hope this is a help to the church family this evening and a challenge to us. It was a challenge to me as your pastor to see areas where I have not been as strong in these areas in loving the church family as I should. And I want to do better to have the heart of God's people so that I can minister more effectively so that the time invested is more valuable if I do what I'm supposed to do. And I hope we all do what we can to impact and influence people for Christ.